and I'm joined by Danny Brown this week. So, Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, as well as someone with COVID can. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, my voice is a little bit better than it was whenever we recorded last, but still not 100%. I feel um, like we have a whole voice between the two of us. <laughs> I was going to promote the episode of What the Ruck that just came out today. So we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, th- sorry, Thursday night. And say so, um, this will be the first podcast in history to have three people appear on it, but there'd be like two voices. So <laughs> True. But Speak. now it's just the two of us because Ellie has dropped out today. That's okay, though. We've got enough knowledge between us. We miss you, though, Ellie. Yeah, she has traded the podcast mic for a commentary microphone, um, uh, commentating netball for the Victorian Netball League. So huge props to her. It's her debut. So, yeah, so proud of you. So stoked. And we are sure you are absolutely smashing it right now. Hell, yeah. Anyway, so. How did you find um, the game last weekend? The game was really good. Um, I thought it was going to be much closer given what was dished up in the first quarter, but the second, third and fourth quarter, Fremantle just ran away with it. They were just too good around the contest. Last time these two met, um, they were without Kiara Bowers and she was a little bit slow at the start, but she really worked her way into the game and I think that just lifted the side. On top of that as well, they had 10 goal kickers throughout the game um, with Michaela Hyde kicking two. So that was really, really impressive. And Hayley Miller took that awesome mark. The ball had like gone well past her head, but she still managed to pluck it out of the air and do what she needed to do for her team. So it was a good game to watch. Um, commiserations to North Melbourne supporters. North Melbourne has had a really, really good run this season. and They're probably just as deserving as Fremantle to be advancing to the preliminary finals. But unfortunately for them, they were just overrun on the day by the Dockers, who we kind of forgot, but they did have that very good start at the year, undefeated um, when they were in the hub until they did eventually lose to North Melbourne. So they're even yeah. now, and the Dockers will be heading to Adelaide where they will be taking on the Adelaide Crows. So, Danny, it's on. Yes, I'm so excited for this game, but we'll talk about that later. Actually, we may even talk about it quite soon. <laughs> Do you want to introduce our first segment? I would love that. So once again, we are going to do our clangers and hangers. So welcome back to this segment. Um, We're going to discuss the highlights and the lowlights of the, or I guess the week just gone, because it wasn't really a round. One game doesn't constitute a round. Um, As we all know, everyone loves to hang out. No one likes a clanger. Um, But this week, we've got some pretty good news. So I guess it's a bit of a hanger. Um, we could only think of one clanger and yeah so it's just a sign that overall it was a really good week for AFLW and yeah you couldn't ask for anything more because I suppose I I suppose it's hard to find a clanger when you've only got one game instead of a whole round's worth games but um yeah compared to watch the first round of men's AFL was like um where we could have found plenty of clangers um it's nice to only have just the one yeah um I'm still trying to get my head around everything that happened it was just so chaotic anyway let's move the conversation back to the AFLW Danny would you like to do 
your clanger and hanger? I would love to. Um, so yeah, we might as well get the clanger out of the way first. Um, and it's it's not that big of a deal, but like it kind of is. Um, well, Sydney announced their AFLW players, um, some of the first signings for their team. And they dropped that Maddie Collier was uh, one of the signings. Now, for those who don't know, Maddie is technically, well, until until that announcement, she was technically still on the West Coast Eagles AFLW list. Um, so this announcement of her signing kind of took away the autonomy of West Coast announcing that she was moving on and also just her own announcement. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like a shock to everyone because no one in West Coast really saw it coming, did they? I remember, like, I was looking back at the six signings and I saw Maddie Collier there and I was like, oh, like, there's got to be another girl called Maddie Collier. And then it hit me, I was like, Maddie Collier is a New South Wales girl. Like, it makes yeah. sense. I checked the Eagles website and there was nothing there. Checked social media, absolutely nothing. And then I saw the photo that Sydney posted and it was of Maddie Collier. And I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, like, why, have, why hasn't West Coast announced this? Because obviously yeah. there's a lot of retirements coming out. Surely Maddie Collier would have been among those names that they would have released. But, yeah, it surprised me. It was a move that I wasn't really shocked about, given that it is her home state. Yeah, I just think it wasn't handled the best and hopefully not, no other clubs follow suit. Yeah, I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge thing. And, like, if this is the only clanger we can find from a whole round of finals, then, you know, it's it's not too bad. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of does suck that it didn't get to, you know, follow usual process, I guess. And can I just say um, what a player Sydney has gained. Maddie Collier is such a tough nut. Like, there was a photo going around of her last year. It became a bit of a gag among the Eagles girls on social media um, where she had, like, this big black eye because she went at a contest. So you have got a very tough cookie on your hands, Sydney, and and all the best to Maddie because I'm sure she'll bring plenty of grit to you guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we'll move on from the clanger and move on to the great news. Now, what you touched on before is um, Adelaide versus Frio at Adelaide Oval. Um, I don't know if you actually said that it was at Adelaide Oval, but I'm going to say it because that game being played at Adelaide Oval is my hanger. It will be an absolute showstopper of a game. And what better stage to have it played on than the beautiful Adelaide Oval deck? I absolutely adore this ground. Yes, I have a home state bias, but it is easily one of the best um, AFL grounds in Australia. And it's really great that we get to see um, a final played on it because who knows where the AFLW grand final will be played. Um, it will be played next Saturday, April 2, uh, on the day after the showdown, as I said. So it may even be a situation of whether there's interstate, you know, men's AFL um, Port and Adelaide bands coming from interstate to watch the showdown. Then they stay that night and then they have the opportunity to watch the women's team the next day as well before they head home or, you know, spend they, they spend the weekend here. 
Um, so there is that opportunity there, which is great. Uh, but these two teams, like I said, they're both really flashy and exciting teams to watch. And seeing them on the big Adelaide Oval deck will be so much fun. I'm so excited. I'm, I don't know if I will be able to make it or not, though, unfortunately. Um, it all depends on this weekend when um, my softball team plays in a final to hopefully, if they win, make the grand final the next week. But we don't know if that's at 12.30 or 2.30 yet. So we will have to wait and see. I want the, the full story is I won't see the whole game, but I may get to see part of it. So we shall see. Beck, tell us about your hangar. It's kind of similar, but not, but I mean, it's in a similar vein, right? Yeah. Um, just before I mention mine, like, we know South Australia loves to get around the Adelaide Crows women's team, and that was seen in the grand final a few years ago. So it's really good that they're, I guess, promoting the finals to these bigger venues. And moving on to my hangar now, um, OMCG, there is going to be footy at the G. Um, the first ever AFLW game will be held um, at the MCG um, when Melbourne plays the preliminary final next Saturday on the 2nd of April. Um, Melbourne, we don't quite know who their opponent is because it all rides on the result of this week's game between Brisbane and Collingwood, but what a moment, like the MCG. It's seen as like the holy grail. It's where, you know, everyone, it's where the AFL grand finals hold. It's just such a well-respected and well-loved and well-known stadium around the world. Like it's the crown jewel of the sporting capital of the world in Melbourne. So to see women's football on the big stage there for the first time, it's just so cool and it makes me so proud to be an AFLW fan because it means we've made strides. I agree. And, yeah, I did see a tweet on um, uh, on the announcement earlier today that it was like, why not go big for women's footy and have the VFLW match played there beforehand as well? <laughs> I think it was let's have the Collingwood versus Casey Demons round seven game moved that morning from the AIA centre to the MCG and get a VFLW, AFLW double header happening. Shout out to... Peter Holden for that uh, suggestion. He is a commentator for Wharf Radio. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm all in support of that idea. I'm not sure it'll happen, but that would be awesome to see. Hey, uh, there's just something special about the MCG, isn't there? Yeah, we love a bit of grassroots footy and it would be awesome to see grassroots footy up on the big stage. Definitely. Anyways, that wraps up our clangers and hangers for this week. So... Yeah, it was good. We only had the one clanger and the two hangers were just amazing. I loved talking about them and I'm sure you did too, Danny. Um, but now we've got some other points to talk about. So um, first of all, we have got another 250 gamers. Would you like yeah. to tell us about them, Danny? I would love to have the honour of talking about our 50 gamers this week. Uh, one from each side, we've got Alison Downey from Collingwood, which is a pretty cool story. Um, blew my mind when I found this out. So before she was drafted in 2016, she played WNBL uh, basketball, for the Dandenong Rangers. Now, I knew she played basketball, but I did not know 
how long she played for. She played from 2000 to 2016. What? That is ridiculous. And then came and joined the um, joined Carlton in the inaugural year of the AFLW, um, which is ridiculous. Um, awesome work. Last season, she was delisted by Carlton and there was a bit of uncertainty as to whether she'd play again. But Collingwood picked her up um, for this season and now she's playing her 50th game in a final, which is just remarkable. I truly love this for her. Um, what an amazing athlete Alison Downey is. And then in the Brisbane side, we've got Brianna Conan, who is the dearly beloved Lions captain. She was a bit of, a bit of synergy with this one. She was recruited with pick number 50 in the inaugural AFL draft, and now she's playing her 50th game. Um, she's an incredibly smart player I love watching her play um, and I found out that she actually has a medal named after her um, the youth girls best on ground award at the C-Link AFL carnival was named the Brianna L Conan award uh, medal um, named after her so that's a bit special um, it's yeah a bit of recognition for her rise to uh, the highest level of AFLW, which is awesome. So congrats to those two players and um, and looking forward to seeing them run out. Unfortunately, one of them will have a loss in their milestone game, but uh, that's sport, isn't it? <laughs> yes. But yeah, you've got um, you've got some. Oh, sorry, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say congrats to those two and. Yep, hopefully both of you have good games regardless of the results. I say you as if they're listening to the podcast, which they definitely are because Steph Chiochi said she would have a listen the other day. I was going to say, shout out Steph if you're uh, listening, <laughs> if you're a repeat listener, uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Be sure to send our well wishes to Alison. Yes, and feel free to join us for our grand final episode. Yes. <laughs> Okay, um, we've got uh, some news from the West Coast Eagles camp. We've got a few retirees announced. Um, Beck, tell me about them. I, I know that you're a West Coast Eagles girl, so uh, these girls mean a lot to you. They sure do. And so it started off with Courtney Garden. Not going to lie, this one came as a little bit of a shock to me just because she's such a prevalent figure at the club. Um, she has been with West Coast since they... Um, since their inaugural season in 2020, she's played 22 games uh, for both Fremantle and West Coast. And she had to retire because she got promoted at her teaching job at Perth College to the head of sports role, which is amazing. I'm sure she'll do a lot to inspire the girls at um, Perth College. Um, yeah, she's done a lot to build the culture um, as has Andrea Gilmore, who won the best club woman at the West Coast Club Champions the night the other night. Um, she initially played netball for the West Coast Fever before switching to Aussie rules. Um, but when she was on West Coast's list, she unfortunately did have a lot of injuries, including ACLs. And we all know how painful ACLs are. So She's had a very long career. She's 33 years old, so well-deserved retirement and I'm sure she'll be revered for all she's done for the WA women in sports scene um, across netball and AFLW. Um, in addition to that, there was Taylor Bresland, who has been announced more recently. She spent 
six years in the AFLW system and fun little stat, um, she played her first game on her 21st birthday and her last game on her 26th birthday. And she is retired to focus on her role in the Air Force Reserves and as a carpenter. She was a very strong um, key defender down back. She served us well in the season she was here. So all the best to her. And then finally, we have got Melissa Caulfield, who was announced today. And she's been in the WA footy system across the Waffle W, the um, WA Double FL. That was what the Waffle W was known as before the Waffle W. And of course, the AFLW. And um, in her interview, she said she was proud to have created a pathway for the next generation of young footballers and has been grateful to have been a part of their journey. And that was reflected in some of the Instagram posts seen today. I know Belinda Smith um, called Melissa Caulfield her childhood hero. So I thought that was really, really touching. Um, but just on the next generation, like all these retirements, three of them are over the age of 30. So that means that it appears that West Coast is looking for to bring in more younger players and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's awesome that these four players have played such a crucial role in the three years that they've been here and building up that club culture and overall just making it a welcoming environment for these young girls who do decide to enter the system and also giving them heroes to look up to because growing up, I know Danny and I, we didn't have AFLW players to look up to, so... Yeah, exactly right. Um, now, we touched on some achievements um, earlier, but I'd just like to touch on a couple more while we're on the West Coast Eagles theme. Um, they had their club champion night and Emma Swanson absolutely blitzed the field. She scored 50 votes um, to have a captain's win. And the next closest was Dana Hooker on 26. So nearly double Dana's votes to take out the award. Uh, best first player, no, best first year player went to Charlie Thomas. And as you mentioned just before, Andrea Gilmore won uh, best club person. So congrats to those. Uh, looking forward to see who wins all the club awards later this year or later this month, maybe. I'm not sure, we don't know all the dates, but that will be in the lead up to and after the AFLW Awards, which is held on April 9, if things go to plan. Um, we all I'm know gonna... they will be... Sorry. Sorry. We all know all the club um, best and fairest will be announced before August though, because that is the discussed start date for the AFLW's next season, um, which is another talking point for us this, e this evening. So obviously it starts in August. It's being played in the winter months. It's what we want. But there are a couple of logistical things that just have us scratching our heads. Danny, would you like to discuss one? Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously it's a really quick turnaround for uh, players and and staff I know that players have been the focus of um, the conversation but it's also a quick turnaround for staff if, if this season is to go ahead in August which it looks like it is um, it would mean that the um, the draft uh, will be held in April um, which isn't much time for players who are keen to get picked up to you know prime themselves for things like the AFL draft combine and 
and just for that night, you know, it's it takes a lot of time to build up to that um, that whole series of events, I guess. Um, we have the grand final on AFL. Uh, AFL, I meant to say April. We have the grand final on April 9 and then players' contracts run out mid-April. So these signings will need to be happening pretty quick, smart in order for the season to get started. But um, one thing that I am also concerned about is um, players who are coming back from injury. Um, we know that some people will be out for a whole other season if they've done their ACL, but there might be players who are coming back and really want to push to be able to play again in the next season. And I'm worried that if they push themselves too hard too early, then they might just end up doing more damage and and maybe out for the other for the rest of the season. So. I mean, there's plenty of other concerns, though. What's What are you thinking, Beck? Um, I'm thinking more along the four expansion sides. Now, we've already started to see some signings coming through and whatnot, but my thing is, is will they be given enough time to gel as a team and really get their game plan and their game style down-packed before they put the boots on and run out on the field for the first time. I just feel like it's going to be quite rushed. I understand a lot of these clubs, they do have their own VFLW sides and or state league sides and they have their academies. So there will already be chemistry among players, assuming they do recruit from those clubs. But at the same time, like, it, it's just going to be too rushed for them, like, from what we're aware, Port Adelaide doesn't have a coach yet. So no, they've got a head of AFLW in Juliet Haslam, and they've got a list manager, Naomi Maidment, who runs their Next Generation Academy. But yeah, like you say, I mean, Port Adelaide doesn't even have a Sandville W team. So they will be picking from other Sandville W sides, meaning that they're players that haven't played together as one whole unit. So yeah, Port are sort of in a in a tricky spot. I'm sure they have plenty going on behind the scenes that we haven't heard about. But yeah, it's it certainly puts the pressure on those new teams in particular. Absolutely. And while we're talking about the new teams, um, at this stage, every team has a signing except for Port Adelaide. So we've been talking, pre-recording about which players could potentially signings for Port Adelaide up and coming so Danny would you like to introduce us to yours I would love to um just as a little precursor though we have decided that neither of us are going to mention Erin Phillips <laughs> not because we don't want to but because she is already heavily debated and we want to talk about some players that have um that have the potential to be part of it and have the spotlight on them for a little bit. So I have chosen Jess Waterhouse. Uh, Jess Waterhouse is from South Adelaide. She has played for other um, other Sandville sides though. She originally played um, professional football slash soccer. She played for Adelaide United. Um, uh, I think it was like 14, 15 games she played. Um, but she has made the jump to Sandville. Um, which is really exciting. This year, she's just had a breakout year. Um, I have seen her in action a few times live 
and she is so exciting. There was one play where she won the ball. Okay, for context, though, she is super short, um, 159 centimetres, so thinking, like, just taller than Rochelle Martin from the Crows. Um, she, <laughs> she literally picked up the ball on the wing and she was running right in front of me where I was sitting on the boundary. And, I, and she had two players hot on her tail and she was just out of it. And I was just like, go, go, go. And she ran, took two or three bounces and then kicked a goal. And far out, it was exciting because in that game, I think South, South kicked four goals and she kicked all of them. Um, so has real star power. Um, and obviously has the skill and the um, the experience in a professional sports system that um, would be really beneficial to Port. Um, and also she is um, she is the niece of Port Adelaide and Frio cult hero Clive Waterhouse. So she has a whole heap of experience that would help her out if she was to join the AFLW, if that's where she wanted to look. Um, yeah, really exciting. I hope she gets a look in. Um, how about you? Who who have you picked for Port's side on behalf of Naomi Campbell? Um, I've got a few here. So there's Nikki Gore from the Adelaide Crows. Um, there was an article published earlier this month about potential targets for um, the expansion teams um, and players that are linked. So Nikki Gore has been linked to Port Adelaide and I think she would bring a lot. Um, she's a premiership player, sort of brings that experienced head among a team that could have a lot of potentially, you know, young and new and inexperienced players. Um, and then also talking about experience, there's Mariana Radich. So, yeah, they're two potential uh, Crows players that could fly the nest and join Port Adelaide. In addition to that, um, Jess Sechenary is another one that could potentially get a look in. She did take time away from the AFLW to pursue the Olympic Games for Tokyo 2020, um, but she has yet to return. But if she did want to restart her AFLW career, um, starting it at a brand new club could be a good option for her. Um, and then we've got two young defenders um, in Lauren Gauchi and Amber Ward, who are currently out West playing for the West Coast Eagles. They're South Australian born. Um, and yeah, they've got experience at AFLW level, um, sort of that experience in being in a new side as well. So they'll sort of know what to expect and having that, I guess, in a way, experience but also they could lead the way in what it's like to sort of be in your new side that's still sort of learning to get together and yeah I mean they've contributed a lot to West Coast's culture they're well loved um and yeah it, I'm sure the West Coast girls will be sad to see them go if they do decide to make the move but yeah yeah ones I could potentially see playing in the teal yeah Will, oh, that's another question. Will they wear the teal or will they wear the, wear the prison bars? <laughs> I feel like we've got the prison bars every episode, so we're not going to go into it. <laughs> um, another thing about bringing the season forward is it means Lauren Young won't play AFLW for at least another two seasons. Um, she she plays for West Adelaide and won the Sandville W Best and Ferris Award 
last year at age 15. So um, she's not eligible to be drafted until next year. So uh, that will be um, something to keep an eye on. Um, and, and I'll throw another hat, another name in the ring. Uh, Darcy Brown. Now, yes, I know that she is currently part of Australia's cricket side, uh, but she also has uh, women's footy history. She's actually really good at it. She played uh, for South Australia um, with Tia Charlton and Abby Ballard at one stage. Those two girls both play for the Crows. And yeah, she's actually really good at it. Um, so it would be fun to see her uh, jump across to Port Adelaide but um, yeah obviously she's part of the Australian cricket team so maybe not right now but maybe in the future but someone who has just retired from uh, representing her country and herself um, Ash Barty now we know that she is a very talented woman and she has many connections within the AFLW she's Richmond's number one ticket holder um, do we think that she could make it in the AFLW or will we see her return to the BBLW maybe or WBBL? I, I'm not sure. Do you reckon she would do well in AFLW? Um, well, she has smashed it at cricket, absolutely smashed it at tennis and did well at golf. So I don't see why she can't add another string to her bow. Um, she's very clearly passionate about the sport. We, we've all seen her, that gif of her holding the beer at the Gabba and giving the big fist pump when Richmond kicked the goal. And so she's got the passion. She's got the knowledge. So if she wanted to pursue it, why not? I mean, the world is her oyster. She's talented. She's physical. She knows what's required of an elite-level athlete. And we've got so many cross-coders in AFLW who have done so, so well. And... Yeah, I think it would just be very interesting to see how a tennis player adapts because, in a way, they're two like they're two very different games. I mean, you don't see anyone tackling someone on a tennis court, although I would find that thoroughly amusing to watch at Rod Laver. I'm, sure I'm sure Nick Curious has thought about it once or twice. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that would be cool. But, um, yeah, it sounds like she wants to take a little break for a bit. So I'm sure her phone has been blowing up with requests, but yeah, maybe not, but maybe. We won't rule it out, will we? I loved Darcy Vessio's tweet where they tweeted out um, like the missed calls log and it's like Ash Barty's phone right now. I just thought that was elite. And it was just Kate Sheehan like 20 yeah. times. <laughs> and it, that's the thing though, like Ash Barty's connected to Kate Sheehan, but as well, she is connected to Trent Cochin, like she speaks to him. Um, and she also speaks to Katie Brennan. So it's like they could encourage her to go across to Tigerland. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I guess it involves a little bit of speculation because we are predicting that something a little less speculative and is set to set in stone to happen. Um, we have a qualifying final on the weekend. And it is between the Brisbane Lions and Collingwood at the Gabba at midday on Sunday. So um, they met before in round five at Maroochydore Oval and Brisbane did win, um, but it was a game that was heavily affected by wins. So do we think... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I just said I so remember that game. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so bad. 
But I guess it told us one thing about Brisbane and is that they have a lot of strength at ground level because they couldn't do the air. So do we expect Brisbane to rely on that strength on the ground or do we think their strength could lie in other areas? They're just strong everywhere. That's the thing. Like, I I really struggled to see Collingwood getting up here. Um, last time they met, Emily Bates had 22 touches and Greta Bodie had 15 for Brisbane. And then Collingwood had Jamie Lambert on 19 and Ruby Schleicher on 17. Um, where it really counted, though, was the tackle counts. Kathy Spark and Greta Bodie led the way with 12 and 7 each. And Britt Benici, who won't be playing this week with her ACL injury, um, had the most for Collingwood with six. Um, Zimmy Farkerson stood out uh, kicking two goals. She was the only multiple goal kicker. Um, she has been relatively quiet um, in the back end of the season, uh, but that doesn't really matter because Brisbane is so strong in forward line. They have so many options and even like their mids and um, and wingers can easily kick goals. Um, Collingwood's strength pre all the injuries they had uh, laid in the midfield They've still got Jamie Lambert and Chloe Malloy left in that engine room. Um, but I feel like Brisbane has enough um, like widespread talent that if they had the option of even just tagging one of those two players, then it would take Collingwood almost out of the game straight away. Um, I don't know about you, but I just see... Brisbane being too strong despite having the extra unexpected break um, to um, for Collingwood to get over the top of them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And as well, like, one thing about breaks that I, I mean, it sounds obvious, but I was, as you were talking, I was like, the Collingwood players are going to be in isolation. Like, they're not going to be able to use club facilities. They're not going to be able to have everyone down at training and participating so whereas Brisbane could so they've had additional training sessions and stuff like that um on top of that Collingwood do have those injuries it's well documented um but yeah I, I just struggle to see Collingwood winning this they're sort of going in as the underdogs um they still have talent left on their list don't get us wrong but Brisbane they just look better on paper yeah, and Stephen Simons, the Collingwood coach, even acknowledged that this week he won't be able to get his best 22 out on the field. So um, it will be a, a tough battle for Collingwood, but, yeah, I'm not sure if, if they'll get on top, but they've done an amazing effort to get this far from sixth position. Yeah, bravo to Collingwood. Yeah. They have really shown some um, really impressive performances throughout the season as well, and we've seen... Um, players like Ruby Schleicher absolutely stand out um, and, yeah, really up their game. So um, good on you, Collingwood, for your season um, and we wish you all the best for this weekend and same with, same with Brisbane. It's not, it's not run and won by any, any means. <laughs> we could be completely wrong. We, love, we do love an underdog story. Funnier yeah. things have happened in finals. Exactly. Let's just hope it is a great game to watch. Exactly. Anyways, um, because we've only got the one game this round um, and I think it's pretty clear who we think will win, 
I don't think we need to do quick fire tips. We want to say it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Uh, One. Three. Hang on. <laughs> Man, imagine if we could count. <laughs> you count us. You count. I'll count us in. Three, two, one. Brisbane. Brisbane. That was Sorry. delayed. <laughs> that's all right. That's the that's the uh, nature of the beast that is called Zoom. <laughs> exactly. We would have gotten it perfectly if we were here in person. Exactly. Hey, maybe you should come over next weekend when Freo play Adelaide. Hmm, maybe I should. Although I still am saving up for a trip to Melbourne. I'm heading yeah. over to Melbourne um, for the Australian Grand Prix and I'm going on a bit of like a footy marathon on the Saturday. So should be exciting. It's also the same weekend as the AFLW Grand Final because that's on the night. Hey. Yeah, I was just about to say, if that gets held in, in Melbourne... Watch out. The Beck Ruthven party's coming to town. Might be oh. three footy games in one day. Do it. I'll what be changing scarves and stuff. Because if Frio gets there, I've got a Frio scarf. And then I've got a West Coast <laughs> scarf. And then I'm going to a Richmond game with one of my friends who's a Richmond supporter. And she's giving me a Richmond scarf. So I'm going to break some kind of record for that. Nice. You just have to wear them all at once like you did when you went to the WA Derby. <laughs> and you, oh, I got so um, many. I walked, I walked past the Fremantle mascots and I swear they death scared me. Like I felt intimidated. Like Johnny, Jenny, I love Fremantle women. Like don't get me wrong, but I also love my West Coast girls. So treat, please oh. don't fight me. I just love AFLW. <laughs> dearie me, dearie me. Anyways, I think that wraps it up for this week. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, apologies if my voice got annoying. Um, it is still getting there. Same. <laughs> but nonetheless. We've done, we've done well. We have. And hopefully um, what we say outweighs how we say it. There we go. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for tuning in.